scripture readings. There's only connection with, um, with the sermon on Lord's Day 39 of the Heidelberg Catechism, uh, which is upon the fifth commandment. And um, in that fifth commandment of the Lord, it's about the relationship between parents and children. Yeah? And um, uh, that, is, that is in the center, and we find that in Deuteronomy uh, chapter 6, how important that responsibility is. But it's also wider in the catechism to other who have authority. And that brings us then to Romans 13, that's our second scripture reading about the authority of the government. And in the New Testament, in letter to the Colossians, and Paul does the same in the letter to the Philippians, so, sort, of, sort of summarizes that and, and goes by the different uh, relationships that include authority. So let's open the scriptures, and our first scripture reading is Deuteronomy 6, verse 1 to 9. Deuteronomy 6, 1 to 9. Now this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you were going over to possess it that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son, by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. Hear, therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, that you may multiply greatly as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates." And we continue in Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 13. And here we read the Word of God as follows, verses 1 to 7. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed. And those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this, you also pay taxes. For the authorities are ministers of God attending to this very thing. Pay to all that is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. And then we continue. Uh, our next scripture reading is in uh, Colossians chapter 3. 
Paul's letter to the Colossians, and read the verses, starting from 17 in chapter 3, and we will continue to read to chapter 4, verse 1. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God, the Father, through Him. Wives, submit to your husbands, as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives, and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Bond servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer, the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Thus far the readings from, uh, from God's Word. Before we turn to the appropriate Lord's... Brothers and sisters, I may proclaim to you the Word of God as it has been confessed and summarized by the church in Lord's Day 39. And Lord's Day 39 says, what does God require in the fifth commandment? And the fifth commandment says, honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. And then in Lord's Day 39, the answer is, it means of God requires that I show all honor, love, and faithfulness to my father and mother and to all those in authority over me, submit myself with due obedience to their good instruction and discipline, and also have patience with their weaknesses and shortcomings, since it is God's will to govern us by their hand. Thus far this part of it, we'll sing immediately after the preaching, um, hymn 80, senses uh, 1 and 2. Hymn 80, 1 and 2. Congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, this afternoon we're going to talk about authority. We will look at the fifth commandment of, uh, of the law of God, and we will do so through the lens of, um, of Lord's Day 39 in the Catechism. What should be our attitude towards authority, towards people in authority, people who are in charge, people who are in control. When it comes to um, authority, our Western society has seen many radical and amazing changes. During the second half of the 20th century, the role of authority has drastically changed. And we do well to realize that the time in which the parents and grandparents of today's teenagers grew up, let's say about 40, 60 years ago, that time will not come back. It's not a matter of do you agree with that or do you like that, yes or no, but that's the reality in our society. In the world at the beginning of the 21st century, the highest priority is striving for personal individual freedom. And we are all part of that culture. 
But that attitude makes it very difficult to talk about authority and about the question why and when we should accept authority. As a matter of fact, today you will run into many people who are not really interested at all in the whole matter of authority. In addition to that, quite often people don't trust authority or those who are in authority. Because authority means that someone has the power to tell you not to do what you want to do and to do what you don't want to do. And so authority, by its very nature, frustrates freedom. But the Bible teaches something totally different. It's actually the opposite. Sure, the Bible also knows about abuse of authority, but the Bible teaches also that the proper use and acceptance of authority is intended not to frustrate your freedom, but to protect your freedom. After Israel's liberation out of Egypt, God brought him to Mount Sinai and gave His law. Why? To help people to protect and keep the freedom they had received when they left Egypt. And so you find in the fifth commandment one of the basic rules for a free human society. The Lord wants us to respect authority. That's the message this afternoon. The Lord wants us to respect authority. We'll first look at the origin of authority, where it comes from, the variety of authority, the acceptance of authority, and also the limitations of authority. So the Lord wants us to respect authority. What does the Bible teach about the origin of authority, the variety, the acceptance, and the limitations? Congregation, when we think about authority, the question comes up, where does it come from? This whole idea, this, 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 this concept of authority. What gives in this world one person the right to rule, to control the other person? Or perhaps a whole group of people. Some people have the authority to decide what other people are supposed to do, how they are supposed to live, or at least that's what they claim they have. What's the rationale behind that? Now, many people have thought about that. There's a whole library of books and articles written on the concept of authority. Philosophers and other kinds of scholars, they've given historical explanations and cultural explanations and biological explanations. There's a great and actually, if you're interested in that kind of stuff, an interesting variety of views, but there's one bottom line. The general consensus is that ultimately man himself is the source, the origin of human authority. It's a matter of evolution, they say. Over time, they go way back in history, right? Over time, the strongest and the smartest people of, of, of a group or a tribe gained respect so that others would obey them. And then when they did so, this authority, this leadership turned out to be beneficial for the well-being of the whole group. They were better able to find food and provide for themselves under the good leadership or to defend themselves against threats. Now, outward forms can change, of course, 
and there are many cultural differences in the world, but as long as people are willing to accept that kind of ruling power as legitimate, there is authority. Now, in the meantime, over the course of history, people have also found out that authority can cause all kinds of trouble. Authority gives you power to control other people, but power is, is, is a dangerous thing to have and to handle. People that have power, you know, people that have power are always inclined to use it for their own interest, to trample on the freedom of others for their own benefit, to misuse authority for their own ego. And the fallout of that is that for some folks, some, that some folks are really opposed to all kind of authority. There are people that believe that liberation from every form of authority is going to create the greatest happiness for everyone. Well, history shows the opposite. When there is no authority at all, life becomes a wilderness, a chaos, anarchy. That's true in a family, that's true in a school, that's true in public society, that's true everywhere. And so others promote the opposite. They prefer a strong authority, powerful leadership to be in control. They don't care so much about individual rights and freedoms. Now, in our Western society, these two extremes are usually kept in check, so to speak, by, by democratic rules and laws. And, uh, it's a fine balance. Okay. In the basic rule of the fifth commandment, the Word of God points in a totally different direction. Here we learn that not man, but God is the source. God is the origin of all authority in the world. It's not the result of evolution, not the result of natural developments, not the result of cultural traditions. No. The Almighty Creator of heaven and earth, He wants us to acknowledge that nothing in the world is beyond His authority. It starts with Him. All creatures, and thus all the people, every human being, they are all under His authority. In other words, it's not the authority as such that causes trouble. It is what people do with it. Whether you abuse authority or you reject authority, in both cases, you rebel against God as the origin of all authority, and that's what causes the big trouble. If you submit yourself to the authority of your Creator, the Holy and Almighty God, if you accept that He is the first and final say in your life, then you will find true freedom. Then you have the promise of a great future. That's the promise that God gives in the fifth commandment, right? Now, this commandment makes very clear how the Lord is doing that, how He rules, how He shows His authority over you. He uses people. He sets people over other people. Now, that doesn't mean that God gives up His own right, of course not, but He is the origin of every form of human authority. Confess in the last part of Lord's 39, it is God's will to govern us by their hands, the hands of humans. 
Now, we just said that humans, people, are the origin of the trouble. So, it's, it sounds a bit tricky to do that, right? To give authority to men. The sinfulness of human nature is almost a guarantee that people who are given authority will eventually misuse that position. And yet the Holy God uses the service of sinful people to make His authority work here on earth. So when you and I deal with authority in any form or shape, we deal with people. But then it is important to remember that he or she does not have this authority because he is better or he is stronger or he is smarter than other people. It's possible, and, and if that's the case, that can even be beneficial. But that's not the origin of his authority. That is only God himself. That's decisive for you if you have been given a position of authority. But it is also decisive if you are expected to respect and submit to authority. So when you're in authority, always remember, my authority was not given to me to enjoy my own power. It was entrusted to me in order to lead with a serving attitude for the benefit of those who are supposed to obey me. When you're in authority, it's a it, it, it can become kind of easy to complain, right? That others don't seem to understand authority. Others don't, just, don't seem to submit to your authority. But instead of complaining, it's better to ask yourself first, do I lead according to the will of God? This is what you are called to do first. Serve the honor and the glory of God. In that way, you will serve the well-being of people under your authority. That's important for parents. Yes, children must honor their parents. We know that. The fifth commandment is clear on that. You can think of what it says in Ephesians 6, verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Paul says the same in what we've read in Colossians. But, Moms and dads here, you were given authority to raise and lead your children as children of the Lord. Think of what you promise as parents when your child is baptized. If you don't use your position for that purpose, you basically misuse your authority. You can say the same thing about teachers in school. And about the authority of the government. Our Prime Minister, Mr. Justin Trudeau, is supposed to serve our society to the honor and glory of God, whether he likes to acknowledge that or not. That's not so relevant. And brother elders, don't just hammer on the significance of your office. Be ready to serve God's people and serve God's church according to God's will. At the same time, if you look at the other side, when you know that God is the origin of authority, it becomes also easier to submit to human authority. 
then you don't go by the likes or dislikes towards the people that are over you. But you learn that by honoring and respecting the people in authority over you, you're actually honoring God Himself. Indeed. The times are changing. I mentioned it earlier. Also, as Reformed people, we look at authority and at those in authority in a different way than our forefathers did 100 years ago or 200 years ago. Today, there is less distance. Today, there is more consultation between those in and those under authority. And that's not only negative. It can, very, it can work very positive, too. But don't let it take away the awareness that God Himself is the origin. When you forget that, you'll be inclined to become a dictator when you're in authority, or you're inclined to become an unruly rebel when you have to submit and you don't like it. Congregation, the fact that God is the one and only source of all human authority does not mean that now all human authority is exactly the same. That all human authority has the same weight, the same range, the same impact. There's a great variety here. The fifth commandment itself mentions only the authority of the parents. It doesn't go any further than that. Their position is in the center here. And it makes sense because the relationship with your parents plays a very important role in everybody's life. Not only when you're a child, but as long as your parents are alive. The difference with other relations is that here you don't have a choice. You cannot pick your own parents. You cannot pick your own kids either. I mean, you get your children, and if you don't like them, you cannot go and hand them in and get another pair. It doesn't work that way, does it? And boys and girls, God Himself gave this father and this mother to you. You cannot go and hand your parents in either and find a pair that suits you better. It doesn't work that way. He gives you, mom and dad, the care for these children, and you cannot get rid of that. But remember, God puts this unique relationship within the framework of His covenant. And in that way, He connects authority with the task, not just to rule your, your children and make sure they turn out to be decent citizens, but also to teach them, to instruct them. Think again of Ephesians 6. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord, Colossians uh, 3. And we have read about this in Deuteronomy 6. That's an interesting passage here, because here the Lord makes very clear that as moms and dads, you have to guide your children. You have to teach them how to live with the Lord. You have to pass on to your children the Word of God, the life-saving promises of your heavenly Father. You cannot get around that. I know it, it, it is good to use your authority and your family to set very clear rules for your kids, right? That's what we all like to do, and that's great. But be careful. Executing your authority as parents 
is not just a matter of putting together a list of rules and hang them on the fridge. I'll leave it at that. Keep an open relationship with your children. Talk with your kids. Let them know why you expect them to do what you are saying. Now, how you do that varies with the age of your offspring, of course. But the most important thing is that at all times, fathers and mothers and children, together, you humbly bow under God's authority. And, and that your parent, that your children see and recognize that in your own life, fathers and mothers. Yeah? Do your children see that in your life? Be role models that reflect Jesus Christ. Don't just tell them, but show them that God is ruling your family. Now, all this has a much broader range than just the family. If you respect and submit to the God-given authority in your family, it has an impact on other relations as well, in church, in society. Now, you could actually question that connection. I mean, the fifth commandment only talks about parents and children, and the catechism sort of adds there, all those in authority over me. But the fifth commandment doesn't say that. So you might wonder whether that's correct that the catechism does that. However, what we have read in Colossians 3 in the beginning of 4 makes clear that there, that there are more in authority over you than just your father and your mother. Yeah, and Paul mentions the others also in that connection. You go to school, and when you go to school you meet teachers, and you go to church, and in church you meet your elders. When you get a job, you have to listen to your boss. And in our society, you are confronted everywhere with laws and rules from the government. And in the Bible, actually, in the Bible you can see how the fatherly authority in the fifth commandment, how it unfolds in other areas as well, like the government. Israel's king is called father sometimes. And in education. In the book of Proverbs, the teacher addresses his students as, my son. And the Apostle Paul calls Timothy, my true child. Whereas the Apostle John addresses the believers as dear children. That's not to say that we, in all those relationships, use exactly the same terminology, but you see the connection. But it's not all the same. In different relations, authority functions in a different way. The authority of your parents is not the same as the authority of your teachers. And the authority of your government or your boss is different again. They each have their own weight, their own range. And how these authorities function can even change over time, can be different in different cultures. An example. In the Bible, we read about slavery. Slaves were the absolute possession of their owners. Now, in our time... We no longer have slaves, although not in our Western society, and even there with the human trafficking that goes on. But no, officially we don't have slaves anymore. We have employees, and they work on a voluntary basis for an employer, and the employer pays them. Such an employer has authority 
but that is restricted to the workplace, is regulated by labor laws and other arrangements. If you don't like your job, or you cannot get along with your boss, you could quit. That's your freedom. Another example. Today, the ruling power of government is affected by the results of elections, at least in democratic countries. And its authority is restricted by a constitution, or by a charter, and other laws to protect the rights of citizens. Authority of teachers is different again. It covers everything that goes on in and around the school and the work that has to be done for the school, but it doesn't go further than that. So yes, there is much variety in authority. Not all authority carries the same weight. And those in authority over you are often bound and often restricted by laws and regulations. And that would raise the question, how does it affect that authority? We believe that the fifth commandment is still valid. But how does the Lord want you to apply that and want you to apply that when you submit to that in all those different situations and circumstances? And that brings us to our third point, the acceptance of authority. And there's a lot to do about this. We all know the modern individualistic attitude, I referred to that in the very beginning, that says, I will only submit to authority if I can accept it and as long as I can accept it. But if I think that the rules or the demands of the people in authority over me, that these rules and demands don't make any sense, I should feel free to criticize, to reject, or simply ignore it. But your confession stresses the biblical truth that accepting authority and respecting people in authority is not just a matter of personal choice. It's not a matter of individual uh, preference. It's again rooted in the one who is the origin, the Almighty God. It starts again with your attitude towards your parents. Again, what I said before, that's in the very center. It's God who wants you to honor your father and your mother. It's not just a Christian tradition or cultural idea, not some kind of natural law, because your parents are smarter and stronger and you're just little. No, it is God's command, and it's permanent. That's the interesting part of this relationship. Honoring God or respecting God is more than obeying. It will still be valid when your parents are very old and need your help. But you don't obey them anymore, but you still honor them. Loving and obeying your mom and dad are important aspects of honoring them, but it also includes your willingness to take the good instruction of your father and mother to heart. Children, to accept and follow what they have told you about God and about the love of God has for you in Jesus and how your Father in heaven wants you to trust Him and obey Him. Take that to heart. See, and that is why you must give your father and your mother the respect they are entitled to. Always. Not because they are doing such an excellent job. Sometimes parents do. And sometimes they don't. But God Himself he is the origin of their authority. He has put them there and that position in His covenant. That means also that their weaknesses and shortcomings do not give you an excuse for not honoring them. The reality of, son, of sin can do a lot of damage. Right? 
the relationship between parents and children can be damaged. Can be damaged to the point that it is hard for children to feel love or respect. Parents can do hurtful things to children. When there is real abuse, they make it very difficult to honor them. But always remember, if you're struggling with that, always remember, he who entrusted them with authority over you will also hold them accountable if they abuse that authority. That's also the case in the church. Office bearers will have to give account of their failures in the way they have treated brothers and sisters in their care. But for all of us, God's commandment remains valid. Obey your leaders, submit to their authority, they keep what's over you. It says in Hebrews 13. You can say similar things when you look at the government. In the time of the New Testament, you could say a lot of negative things about the political leaders of the day. Christians have suffered terribly under persecution. And in many places in the world, they still do. In our country, we may not feel outright persecution, but many of our politicians also persistently and openly pursue an anti-Christian agenda. And yet when Peter calls us to submit for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted among men, he mentions with emphasis kings and governors. And in Romans 13, the Apostle Paul makes clear what God's will for us is with regard to the authority of the government. And on that basis, he urges us in 1 Timothy 2 to pray for kings and all those in authority. Now, that attitude towards authority, I mentioned it before, is not popular today. We live in an anti-authority climate. The individual, personal's right to freedom is for many people one of the highest priorities. As I mentioned before, many things have changed in our society when it comes to authority. Today also those in authority are bound by laws and rules and regulations more so than in the past. And that is not a bad thing. People in authority are sinful people. You know, this, you, you, you know the saying, power corrupts, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. That's true in the world, that's true in the church, that's true everywhere. And so it's a good thing that sinful people who are inclined to misuse their authority are not simply allowed to act as they feel like. At the same time, we all have to resist the tendency to reject authority if we think it doesn't work as I would like to see it work. Those in authority may fall short. That does not make authority disappear. A teacher can do a poor job to the point that a school board has to fire him. But it never gives students the freedom to ignore his authority as long as he's still teaching. It can be a blessing for a country when a government steps back. And in a democratic society, there are legitimate means to make that happen by, happen by voting them out. But as long as they rule, you don't have the freedom to ignore the authority. The Lord wants you to show all honor, love, and faithfulness. By now it's clear, congregation, that the fifth commandment 
does not say that there is no restriction to human authority. That's not the focal point of the fifth commandment. On the contrary, there are. Human authority is never absolute. And accepting human authority is never unconditional. God's authority is absolute. And submission to God's authority is unconditional. And God's authority will always overrule the authority of those who are His temporary representatives in this world. Whether it's your parents, your teacher, your employer, the government, whoever else. doesn't matter who it is. If His authority would force you to go against the Word of God, you are released from the obligation of the fifth commandment. As the apostles say to the Jewish authorities, it's in Acts 5, verse 29. Remember the story. Now they were preaching, and they were healing, and the authorities got them in and said, you can't do that. So we forbid you to continue to preach in the name of Jesus. What do they say? We must obey God rather than men. They go back to the temple and keep preaching. Besides that, you may expect people in authority to respect the laws and the regulations agreed upon in the country. If they don't, there are again legitimate and appropriate ways to complain about it. As long as you do so with, with the respect that God wants you to show. Even in the relationship in the center of the fifth commandment, the Bible makes clear that honoring your father and your mother may not be done at the cost of honoring the Lord. Think of the implications of Jesus' words in Luke 14. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, he cannot be my disciple. Now, hating in the New Testament is, is, is a very strong word. But the point that Jesus makes is that as parents, you can never come between the Lord and your kid. Parents cannot do with their children or demand from the children whatever they, they, they want. There are boundaries. The Lord wants home to be a place where children are safe and, and taken care of with love. But if there is serious abuse or sexual abuse, then home becomes a place of fear and terror, and then parental authority becomes a curse. But abuse of authority and power is destructive everywhere, whether it's in the home, at school, in church, at work, public society. This is why earthly authority in the hands of sinful people is never absolute. And why obedience, this is also why obedience and submission to earthly authority is never unconditional. And thankfully so. Thankfully so. A children's age society can interfere in family life. In exceptional situations, a judge can take away parental rights. Ministers and elders can be suspended or deposed from office. If your boss makes your life miserable, you can lodge a complaint. A government can be forced to step down as a result of elections. It can also step down as a result of revolution, a military coup. That's a big far-fetched here in Canada. But it can be a serious issue for Christians in African countries. 
two years ago, I was teaching in Kenya. And most of the students I was teaching came from, uh, came from South Sudan. And you may know that for South Sudan, for many, many years, it was an area of war, a civil war, and terrible corruption and abuse of power. And for these Christian students coming from South Sudan, it was a real problem. It was a difficult problem. Can you, as a Christian, join a rebel group that is fighting for freedom from a very corrupt and a very evil government? In a situation like that, it's not so easy to apply Romans 13. But despite those difficult issues, there are restrictions for human authority. When Lord's Day 39 tells you to submit to good instruction and discipline, it implies there may also be wrong instruction. There may be evil instruction that contradicts the Word of God. Then you should not submit. God the Almighty One, God the Creator, God the origin of all authority, He gave the fifth commandment, and He did so to teach us that only His authority will be good for people in any and every relationship in a human society. But it will only work if those who are in authority and those who submit to authority are both willing to submit to that most powerful leadership, the gracious government of Jesus Christ. He told us all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Amen.